Martha Berry was a lady, a very special lady, who had a vision to help children. She began a school for poor children. She had no books, she had no building, and she had no money. But she had a dream. She had a dream. She went to Mr. Henry Ford to ask for a donation. And Mr. Ford, Henry Ford, the Ford Motor Corporation, reached into his pocket and gave Martha Berry a dime. A dime. Most people would have been insulted. Here he is, a multimillionaire, and all he could give her was a dime. But Martha took that dime. She bought a packet of seeds, and she planted a garden. She raised a crop. She harvested it, sold the crops, went out and bought more seeds. After three or four harvests, she had enough money to purchase an old building for the children. And she returned to Mr. Ford and said, look, see what your dime has done. The man was so impressed that he donated a million dollars to the Berry School, which today is known as Berry College. This morning we're going to continue our brief sermon series on stewardship called Becoming a Godly Receiver. 2009 is the year of discipleship here at Griffith First Christian Church. We talked about that over the last couple weeks. We are seeking to become more committed and more faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And part of being a sold-out, committed believer in Jesus is being a good steward of the things that he has given us. And we're going to look this morning at a parable that Jesus told as we uh, talk about faithful stewardship and what it means to be a faithful steward. It's all about taking what we have been given and investing it in God's kingdom. And that's what we're talking about this morning is investing in God's kingdom. Now, this is one of Jesus' more well-known stories. It's the parable of the talents. And this, pre, this passage of scripture has probably been preached millions of times all around the world. You may have yourself, you may have heard it preached a few times during your lifetime. Some of you have, may, have never heard it preached at all. So today will be brand new for you. But either way... You're going to hear it preached this morning. Just so you know where we're going to go on Sunday mornings, we're talking about stewardship today. We're going to talk about stewardship next week. Uh, and then in the month of February, uh, we're going to talk uh, about uh, evangelism and what it means to, be, uh, to evangelize and to go out and to spread the gospel. Part of our mission statement is loving God, loving others, and spreading the gospel. We're going to talk about evangelism in the month of February. And then in the month of March, we're going to talk about obedience. We're going to talk about uh, some of the hard sayings of Jesus, some of the hard teachings that he gave. Because there are some really difficult things that Jesus said and some difficult things that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around and kind of to obey. And so we're going to talk about those things in the month of, of uh, March. In the month of April, we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk about the events surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday, the resurrection, doubting Thomas. And we're going to talk about the ascension. And then in the month of May, I believe, I'm, I'm not totally 100% sure on this, but I think we're going to talk about getting in the game and what it means to get out of the stands and get into the game. It's going to be kind of a sports theme in the month of May. And then in the month of June, we're going to start a sermon series called Stories We Know Part 2, Stories from the Gospels. We're going to look at well-known stories from the Gospels. And then starting in September, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians this fall. And then we'll be at Christmas time, and the snow will be flying again. So that's where we're going this year. That's this year. That's the year of discipleship here at First Christian Church. And uh, that gives you an idea of where we're going to go. Uh, so make your plans now to join us every week. Same time, same channel here at uh, First Christian Church. Uh, but this morning we're going to start by reading the story from the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. 
And that's where we're going to begin. We're going to read that story right from Scripture. Now, see, I'm kind of like a, a, a TV chef in that, you see, I, I make you look up the Bible Scripture, and it takes you a minute to get there. And, of course, I've already got mine prepared off to the side. You know how, like, Emerald does that? You know, he's got everything all set up. It's like, yeah, you do this, this, and this. It takes him 15 minutes to make a dish. It takes me to take two hours. But anyway, uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has uh, will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is a talent? What is a talent? Is it a gift? Is it an ability? Is it a skill? When Jesus told the story, the people who heard it, the disciples, they knew what a talent was. A talent was at one time a unit of measure that was equal to somewhere between 58 and 80 pounds or so. Somewhere between 58 and 80 pounds, it was a unit of measure. It then came to represent a unit of currency. A talent was money. And it was worth about 6,000 denarii. Now you're thinking to yourself, 6,000 denarii, that's pretty good. Wait a minute. What's a denarii? <laughs> it would take a common laborer or foot soldier in the Roman army about 20 years to earn a talent. One talent. 20 years wages to earn one talent. So let's say a common laborer earns about $15 an hour. Okay? Over 20 years... That comes out to be about $624,000. $624,000. In today's money, a talent might be about, uh, about $624,000. Now, this man is quite wealthy, obviously, because he gives the first man five of these talents. That's about $3.12 million. This is a wealthy dude. Second guy gets two talents, or about $1.248 million, $1,248,000. So far, he's given away close to $4.5 million. 
The last guy gets one talent or about $624,000. So altogether, we're talking about five million bucks. This is a wealthy guy. Jesus says that each of these guys is given in accordance with their abilities. The first guy was the most responsible. He was the most trustworthy. The last guy was the least responsible. He was the least trustworthy of the three. The master goes away. The first two guys invest what they have been given, and they earn a return on it. They show a return. The last guy buries his in the backyard so he doesn't lose it and so that it doesn't get stolen. He's afraid to take a risk, so he buries his six hundred. And what did I say? $24,000. All right? The master returns. And the first two guys come back to the master and say, look, this is what we did with your money. They were stewards. They were given responsibility over someone else's possessions, like we talked about last week. So the first guy says, you gave me $3.12 million. Is that what I said? $3.12 million. Here's another $3.12 million. Now you got $6.24 million. The guy's thinking, cha-ching, all right. Second guy comes up, says, you gave me $1.248 million. Here's another $1.248 million. Cha-ching. All right. Third guy comes up. Uh, the first two are rewarded. They are welcomed into the master's family. They are given even more responsibility, and they are allowed to share in the joy of their master. They are commended as good and faithful servants. The last guy, he calls the master a hard man. He is saying that the rich man is a stern taskmaster who exploits the labors of others. The, the, the third guy is more fearful than faithful. See, the first two are commended as being good and faithful servants. This last guy is more fearful than faithful. He is worried that if he invests his talent, he will not be rewarded accordingly. He is also worried that if he invests his talent and he loses the money, that he will be punished severely. The master berates the man, calling him a wicked, lazy servant. He is condemned and is cast out of the house and is punished for his lack of faithfulness. See, that's what this whole story is about. We, we tend to think of it as about a story about giving, a story about stewardship, a story about money. I believe that it's a story about faithfulness. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. Instead of focusing on the, the details of the story and, 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 and the details of, of how, who was given what and how much were they given, I want to focus on the overall theme. And like I said, that is faithfulness. Jesus is telling this story during the last week of his life. That's when this story comes about. It's during the last week of his life. It's the last story he told the disciples before his death, burial, and resurrection. This is the last story. Jesus tells him. Jesus was nearing the end of his life. He had accomplished all that he was supposed to complete. All that was left to do was to suffer and be crucified for the, sins, uh, for the forgiveness of the sins of mankind. So he tells the disciples this story on the Mount of Olives. This story occurs right after another story about the end times and in the midst of a large discourse on the end of the age. Right after this, Jesus goes into rather descriptive detail about the judgment of humanity. This story that we are looking at today, like I said, is about faithfulness and preparedness. So I have three questions I want to ask you in light of this story. The first question is, are you more faithful or fearful? Are you more faithful or fearful? The third servant, like I said, was more fearful than faithful. He was afraid of what might happen if he tried and failed. He was afraid that he would not be re properly rewarded if he took a risk. And I think that Christians today are more fearful than we are faithful. We're afraid someone might, what someone might think of us if we invite them to come to church with us. Hey, you want to go to church with me? What are you, some kind of Jesus freak? What are you, some kind of religious nut? 
I don't need any of that. What are you, are you some kind of, are you, are you weak? Are you feeble? You need a religious crutch to lean on? It's one of my favorite Christian singers, Steve Taylor, said, you can take your crutch and shove it up your nose. Um, <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great song. Anyway, it's a great Christian song. You know, we're also, we're not only afraid of what others might think of us, we're afraid that the risk isn't worth the reward. We're afraid that the risk isn't worth the reward. How can we be assured that we will receive a proper reward for our effort and involvement in the kingdom? Jesus promises two things to the good and faithful servant. One, they will be given more responsibility, and you're thinking to yourselves, great, that's exactly what I need, is more responsibility. And they will be put in charge of more things in the kingdom. Second, they will get to share in their master's happiness and joy. What's, what's that? I share in my master's happiness and joy? Yeah, it's worth it. Investing your life, investing yourself, investing your time, your energy, your resources, your money in the kingdom is worth it. Do not be afraid, for the reward is great. We have nothing to be afraid of. You will be rewarded for your efforts, and the reward is great. The second question you might be asking yourself right now is, how can I invest in the kingdom? Isn't it just about giving money? I mean, are, are, are we really asking for more money? I mean, we talked about that last week. We should be good for another you know, year or so. Now you're talking about it two weeks in a row. So uh, no more sermons for two years? Nope. Next week. Sorry. But it's about more than money. This, this parable, this story is about more than just money. Yes, we should be investing our tithes and our offerings into the work of the kingdom. And that's why it's important to give a portion of our incomes to the work of the kingdom. As I said last week, all the money that we have is a gift from God, and he expects a portion in return out of thankfulness and appreciation. The biblical guide is 10% of your income. And like I said, it depends. If you want to tithe off the gross or off the net, you've got to ask yourself, do I want blessings off the gross or off the net? But we'll talk more about that next week. The good news is that if you do give faithfully to the Lord, he will bless you in two ways. One, he will bless you by taking care of your needs. We talked this morning in our men's study about how we don't really understand what needs are. We think we know what we need. We think we know what our needs are. But a lot of times our needs are overshadowed by our wants. And, and we want a lot. You know, we live, in this, we live in this wonderful country where we have opportunities to get so much. And uh, we talked about the dominant economic theory in our country, which is based on consumerism. And, and it's all about buying stuff and getting stuff and accumulating stuff. I mean, how much stuff do we really need? I made a resolution this year. Did I tell you what my resolution was? I didn't tell the Bible study, so I don't know if I've told you all. My resolution this year, 2009, I'm not going to buy any clothes. That doesn't mean I'm going to show up naked, so don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, I got plenty. And that's why I'm not buying any more. For the entire year of 2009, I'm not, I have enough dress shirts, I got enough dress pants, I got enough shoes. Goodness, do I have enough shoes. Shannon's shaking her head <laughs> vigorously. And everybody turns and looks at Shannon, shaking her head vigorously. I got shoes galore. I, got, I have enough dress shirts, I, I counted up, I got enough dress shirts that I, I don't have to wear the same one for three months to Sunday morning. I can go three months without wearing the same dress shirt on a Sunday morning. That's sad. Yeah, what, kind of a, what kind of a man am I? Anyway, uh, I'm not going to buy any clothes this year because I'm tired of consumerism taking advantage of me. And, and I'll, I'll admit it, it does. I love to shop. 
Oh, I can shop. I love to get out there. I love to whip out the car, to whip out the cash, whip out the checkbook. I love to shop, even grocery shop. I enjoy grocery shopping. I get this kind of high. When I walk into the mall, I've instructed my son. I said, Jonathan, you smell that? Yeah, Daddy, that's new stuff. (laughs) That's the smell of new stuff. Oh, I love that new stuff smell. Some people like the new car smell. Nope, I can smell new stuff smell every time I go to the mall. 2009, I'm not buying any more clothes because I've, uh, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. I'm done. I'm done. Anyway, the God has promised, God has promised to take care of our needs. The second promise he, his, the second promise that he has is that he will bless the gift that we give in his kingdom. And I think it is so cool, the thing about giving, is that I can only give so much. And, and God only asked me to give so much. God asked me to give 10%. And I give a little, I'll be honest, I give a little bit more of that. I'll talk about that next week because I've taken what I, uh, the 1% challenge twice. And I'll, I'll tell you about that next week when I give you all the 1% challenge. But um, God, has, God has faithfully provided for all of our needs over and over and over again. But not only that, but God takes the money that we give on a weekly basis and he partners with us in that offering. And he blesses it tremendously to the work of his kingdom. So that the money that we give goes to help people in Africa. It goes to help people maybe in the Philippines. Or it helps people uh, here in America. Uh, it helps people hear the gospel. It helps, people, it helps keep this building warm when it's 12 degrees outside. I left Minnesota, by the way. <laughs> And it followed me. <laughs> it's all my fault. <laughs> but uh, God, will, God partners with me. and says, Sean, I'm going to take that gift that you gave, and I am going to do amazing things with it. So that you can know. Know this, all right? The next time someone comes to be baptized and they get up, that person is going to go to heaven, okay? That person is going to go to heaven because of, of an offering you gave. Because that offering you gave... Uh, enabled someone to hear the gospel, whether it's from the pulpit or through a community meditation or, or through some way God has partnered with you. to help. It, It's not about Sean. It's not about Sean having a conversation with someone or someone uh, hearing uh, Sean's sermon. It's about you. It's about God partnering with you and working with the gift that you gave to help someone else hear the gospel and uh, come and give their life to Christ and go to heaven. God wants to do that with you. And so not only does he promise to provide for our needs, but he promises to take the gift that you gave and multiply it and increase it and change lives with it. And that's the awesome thing about giving. So it's not just about you. It's just not just about your your checkbook. It's not just about what we give. It's about God's partnership with you in changing lives. But like I said, this parable is about more than just money. It's about resources. It's about time. It's about energy. Albert and Letty in this morning's offering meditation asked an important question. Who will serve? See, it's about more than just money. I, it's easy to, it, I, I'm not going to say it's easy to give, but it's easier to give than serve. To give, all you got to do is write a check. Drop it, in the, drop it in the plate. See you next week. 
To serve requires time. To serve requires energy. To serve requires resources, more than just writing a check. What are you doing to invest in the kingdom? Are you giving of your time? Are you giving of your energy? Are you giving your resources and your money to make a positive return in the kingdom? Christianity was never meant to be a spectator sport. In the book of James, James wrote about how faith without works is dead. It's easy to say, I believe. But the proof of your faith is in the things that we do. Now, the things that we do do not save us. The things that we do do not keep us saved. The things that we do are a response to what God has done for us, a response to what God has done in our lives, a response to the commands of Christ, the commands of Scripture. We are called to do something. And like I said, Christianity was never meant to be a spectator sport. Like I said, in the, in the month of May, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about things like spiritual gifts and using your spiritual gifts in the kingdom to bring about a return. Jesus is inviting you to get involved. Jesus wants you to get involved. God wants you to get involved in the work of First Christian Church. He is inviting you to get out of the stands and to get on the field and to play the game. I was fortunate enough this year to go to two Notre Dame games. One we won, one we lost, but that's okay. Just being there. I just love being there. To walk into that stadium where like great players have played. To sit up in the stands and know that Joe Montana, arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, arguably, all right, some would say yes, some would say no, but arguably, the man won four Super Bowls, all right, set all kinds of records, just, anyway, he played there. To know that Newt Rockney, the guy who invented the forward pass, and some of you, your eyes are glazing over sports, who cares, Albert, oh, who cares, the man invented the forward pass, he revolutionized the game of football, coached at Notre Dame, I mean, this is the place where Heisman Trophy winners have played, where national championships have been fought for. It's, 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 it's awesome. I just love being there in the shadow of the Golden Dome and everything. Oh, can't wait to go back. I took my brother to the first game. Jeff Mouch took me to the second. I give my props to Jeff Mouch. Thank you, Jeff. Took me to the second game. Even though we lost that day, it was an awesome, fun time. We sat next to this crazy, this crazy guy who was like dressed up like a leprechaun, screaming at the top of his lungs the whole game. I kid you not. It was awesome. I had a blast both times. But could you imagine if before the game, the coach of the Fighting Irish, Charlie Weiss, walked up in the stands and came up to me and said, Sean, we need you today. You haven't exhausted your college eligibility, have you? No, coach, I have not. I need you to play quarterback today. I need you to come down there, and I need you to lead the Fighting Irish to victory. You got it, coach. I'll win one for the Gipper. I'll be Rudy for the day, man. Could you imagine that? We'd get creamed. I mean, we'd get plowed. I wouldn't complete a single pass. I'd be sacked over and over and over again. I do not have the physical prowess to play the game by any stretch of the imagination, but it would be awesome. <laughs> it would be so cool. You know what, my friends? Jesus is inviting every single one of us to get in the game. See, we're, a lot of us are sitting in the stands. 
just kind of watching, seeing what's going on. We'll cheer. You know, we'll get up, we'll sing our songs on Sunday morning. We'll cheer a little bit. But Jesus is inviting you to get involved in the game, to get out of the stands, to get on the field, and get in the game. Here are the top ten ways you can invest in the kingdom at Griffith First Christian Church. Top ten ways in my top ten list. Aaron, you want to play? No, never mind. Number ten, chaperone a youth outing. Talk to David Herbert about chaperoning a youth outing. Number nine, volunteer to help out with children's worship on Sunday mornings. Right now, uh, Sue Langer pretty much every week uh, is up, uh, is down with the kids at children's worship. Um, you know, and she doesn't get to get to be in here very much as far as hearing a sermon or, or uh, spending time in worship with brothers and sisters in Christ because half the service, she's downstairs every week. And she could really use your help. In fact, she put up a sign-up sheet in the Welcome Center and uh, to, to help out. She'll give you everything you need. She'll give you all the material you need to help out in kids' worship. And uh, she'll, she'll, she'll set you up. It's like 25 minutes long. 25 to 30 minutes of your, of your life once a month would make a difference in the, kids of li- in the lives of kids as well as make a difference in the life of Sue. And so talk to Sue Langer about getting involved and helping out with the kids once a month or once every other month. Whatever you can do, she'll be thrilled. Uh, where am I? Number eight. Sit in the nursery. Watch our littlest ones. Talk to Lisa Clark. Sit in the nursery. They're babies. They're, they're adorable. They're cute. You can be a guy or a girl. It doesn't matter. Help with the babies. Uh, number seven. Prepare and clean up the communion trays. Talk to Janice Francis about helping out with the communion trays. Uh, number six. Uh, help serve communion on a Sunday morning. Talk to Greg Rothschild. Greg also put up a sign-up sheet out in the, uh, the foyer, out in the Welcome Center. And uh, sign up if you want to help out with communion. Uh, we need 10 guys every Sunday to help out with communion, uh, ha- uh, passing out communion. So uh, talk to Greg Rothschild or sign up on the sheet out there. Uh, number five, help out with Kids for Christ on Thursday nights. Talk to Terry Stinnett. Terry Stinnett would love your help to come here on Thursday nights for a couple hours. And again, it's about investing in the kingdom. It's investing in the lives of people, investing in the lives of these young ones who need to hear about how much God loves them and about how Jesus died for them. And that's what it's all about. Uh, Number four, ask me to train you how to lead a small group Bible study. Maybe a Sunday school class, maybe a small group at your house, or even host a small group at your house. We'll put a teacher in there uh, for you if you're willing just to host. Talk to me about that. Uh, serve as a deacon over ministry next year. Talk to the elders about your interest in becoming a deacon. We'd love to have you uh, lead, a, lead a, a ministry team. Uh, number, three, number two, volunteer to help out in the cherubs ministry on Sunday mornings. You will get to watch the cutest little preacher's kid you ever saw in your life. Every week. Talk to Sandy Martinez. Number one, start a new ministry. Look around here. How many of you ever looked around and said, man, somebody should do that? Guess what? You're somebody. God is looking at you. And you, when you look around here and say, man, somebody should do that. Somebody should take care of that. Maybe you're the person to do that. Maybe God is laying that on your heart. Maybe God presented that opportunity for you to see right there, open your eyes, bing. I, you're somebody. You should do that. Get involved. Get out of the stands. Grab the ball. Get on the field. And let's go. Let's play this game. It's a lot of fun. And investing in the kingdom is one of the greatest investments you can make. Don't invest in the stock market. Invest in God. Invest your life into something greater than yourself. Invest your life in the kingdom of God. So that 
when he returns, and we're going to talk about this next, when he returns, what's he going to say to you? Well done, good and faithful servant. So that's 10 easy ways that you can invest your time and your energy in the kingdom of God at Griffith First Christian Church. And most of those are not going to cost you a single cent. You know what? Here's an 11th way. I'm going to throw in an 11th way. This is on behalf of Cheryl Ryan. Uh, If you play an instrument or if you sing, help out with the praise and edification ministry on Sunday mornings. If you play piano, we'd love to have you play. Uh, If you can play guitar, play guitar. Uh, If you can shake a tambourine, shake a tambourine. If you can sing, grab a microphone. You know, we, we want you to be involved. We want to create opportunities for you to be involved and, and to take uh, what's called ownership of this church. This is your church. It's not their church. It's our church. This is your church. Get involved. Become part of it. I'll give you a 12th way. I'm looking at Jimmy Sofer, and Jimmy's thinking, Sean, mention the sound ministry. I need somebody to help me run sound. You want to run sound? Jimmy will show you how to run sound. It's easy. Push a few buttons. We love to push buttons, don't we? Who doesn't love going to the Museum of Science and Industry and pushing buttons? I love the Museum of Science and Industry. I love to push buttons, but I can't push buttons. The only button I get to push is this one on my microphone thing. But whatever you do, get out of the stands and get onto the playing field and get in the game. Well, maybe maybe you just need to commit yourself to worshiping more regularly. Maybe that's where it starts. Maybe you're not ready to get up and, and help out in the nursery or in cherubs or sing on the stage or something like that. Maybe you just need to say, you know what, I need to make a commitment to worshiping God more regularly. I just need to make a commitment to Griffith First Christian Church that I'm going to be there and I'm going to come on a more regular basis. You know you should come to worship more, but you just can't seem to get out of bed on a Sunday morning. This goes for all you people listening on the Internet out there. Oh, it's just as good. I can surf and listen to Sean at the same time. But maybe that's where you need to start. You need to commit yourself to faithful worship attendance and then work on the other things as time goes on. Well, the last question I have for you this morning is are you ready for the master to return? Let me tell you right now, Jesus is coming back. You know, and the way the world keeps falling apart over and over and over and consistently, it may not be long. It may not be very long at all. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do before he comes back. He is going to return. And the question we all have to ask ourselves is, are we ready? First, have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you had your sins washed away in baptism? How are you using the gifts and the talents and the resources God has given you? Have you invested yourself in the kingdom or have you buried yourself in the backyard? What are you going to hear when he returns? This is a serious question that we all have to ask ourselves. What are you going to hear when he returns? Will you hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will you hear, you wicked, lazy servant? The choice is yours. It's up to you to, it's up to you as to, for what you will hear when Jesus returns. And Jesus will return, and he will judge the living and the dead. And those found faithful will be rewarded, and those who are not will be condemned. Listen to these words from 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Amen. What will you hear when Jesus returns? All I want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Author and Pastor Fred Craddock in an address to ministers caught the practical implications of faithfulness. 
He says, to give my life for Christ appears glorious, he said, to pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom. I'll do it. I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality is, for most of us, is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. Listen to the neighbor's kid's troubles instead of saying, get lost. Go to a committee meeting. Give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. We may never be called upon to die for Jesus, but every day we are called to be faithful to him. We are called to faithfully obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faithfulness, day in and day out. It's in the gospel that we learn God's plan of salvation. We are called to deny ourselves daily and take up our cross daily and follow him daily. We are called to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. We are called to lay down our lives, our very lives, for the sake of the gospel. And that's what Jesus did. He, he laid down his own life so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God promises to faithfully fulfill that promise of eternal life to all who will trust in his son. The Bible says that God is faithful. He is faithful. Over and over and over again, the Bible says that he is faithful. Even when our faithfulness is wavering, even when we are falling short, even when we are missing the mark, God is still faithful. And he will faithfully fulfill the promise of eternal life with him if you will accept his son as your Lord and Savior. We want to give you that opportunity today, as we do every week. We're going to come, and we're going to have the worship team come and sing, and we're going to pray, and we invite you to come and make Jesus the Lord of your life, to come and give your life to him. Be baptized today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask this morning that you would help us, God, to invest our lives and our energy, our resources, everything we have in your kingdom. For God, we want to make a difference for Jesus. We want to make a difference in the lives of people who don't know him, in the lives of the people who don't know you. We want to make a difference in this world for you. Pray that you would partner with us, that you would take our tithes and offerings, that you would take our time and our resources and our energy, and that you would multiply them. Give us strength for this journey, God, that we might serve you. We might serve with you. We love you so much. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.